Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Plan B Success. Who we have with us today is Gustavo Manos Castro. He's in the real estate business and is the founder of a company by name Power ISA. We'll find out what that's about in a minute. But Gustavo was actually a Microsoft senior engineer for a long time before he turned into a real estate agent. And then from there on, he became an inside sales pro as well. So that's where he spends most of his time today, not just doing it, but also teaching it to others. So let's welcome Gustavo and hear from him. Welcome, Gustavo. Hey there, Rajiv. Thanks for having me here. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself in your own words. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I've, I've uh, you know, been in the industry for a while now. <clears throat> I think there's two, two parts of, uh, of, you know, what I've done and who I've been uh, in the professional space. Uh, in the last, you know, 15, 16 years or so. Um, and I started in high tech. I, I you know, I studied uh, an engineer, engineering background. Uh, I still have that engineering mindset and everything that I approach. Uh, but that's where my career started. I, I, I trained, I went to school to become a computer engineer. I w- ended up working for Microsoft, which is a great, great experience, you know, overall. And I, and it wasn't like a, like a short amount of time, like a short stint. I was a, in, in high tech for almost 10 years. Uh, you know, a couple of summer internships, and then from 2009 years, from 2004 to 2013, uh, that's what I did. I became a manager in the company. Uh, you know, I kind of, you know, experienced a lot of that uh, uh, environment, high tech, through a really interesting time uh, for that company, um, and that's how I how I started. And you know, to be honest with you, you know, I grew up in Mexico. That's where I'm from, on the border with the U.S. Uh, so it was a big deal to, to make it right. I had made it, you know, quote unquote, I was, a, you know, I, I was living the dream, a dream job. Uh, and I even became like a minor celebrity in my hometown when I joined Microsoft straight out of college. I got hired and they flew me out there and it was it was awesome. Um, and that was one story, one narrative, one direction uh, uh, that I could have stayed there very easily. Right. Um, you know, and kind of kept going with that. Uh, but there was an issue, right? There was a problem. It was it was a dream job, but I, I tell people that wasn't exactly my dream, uh, you know. <laughs> to be honest with you, and you know, and 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 I love the concept of your show because this, this is this is very common in the world, right? Uh, you know, I think as if I look back on it, uh, I think when we're when we're in school, when we're choosing our our uh, what we're going to major in, what we're going to study in in, in uh, at university level, college level. I don't think we have any clue what we want to do. You know, that was my, at least that was my uh, uh, understanding. I went towards the thing that was the most popular at the time. I went, I went to school. This was a while ago in the late nineties, uh, just at the turn of the, uh, of the uh, 99 to 2000 when I went, I started going to school and the internet was like a really awesome thing. It was like, it was going to change the world, right? This was right before the dot-com bust, by the way, but it was like there. Uh, and that's what it was today. What I, I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I bet it should, it'd be cool to do something in that space. It sounds like it's the next big thing. Um, and I went towards that uh, inertia and, you know, excitement and, you know, uh, uh, a, pro- a good prospect, good prospects for me. And that's how I started down that path. But then, I, you know, further down the line, 10 years down the line, I changed paths. And that was a big, big, big decision for me. That ended up being, you know, a, a, another interesting career path. And now, now I've been doing this. I've been in the real estate realm, real estate space for eight years now, eight years, uh, you know, and, you know, I'm not looking back, right? You know, I've, I've been going uh, uh, through the ups and downs of, uh, of all the entrepreneurs, business owners uh, that you can imagine. 
Uh, but it's been a, a, a great run, right? So, you know, I, I, and I did, you know, well at Microsoft. I did okay. I uh, became a, a first-level manager. But then I made that shift. And now, you know, I'm, I'm a real estate started my own business, essentially, right? Real estate is a self-employed um, and entrepreneurial kind of venture. And I've built a very large organization now. And like you said, I started out as a real estate agent, just selling homes, uh, you know, with me and my wife. And now I've built a team. I built a company that helps other real estate agents, uh, you know, build up their businesses as well. That's pretty awesome. So tell us a little bit about, you know, the time that you spent at Microsoft, right? So those years, what were they like? What did you like about being, you know, in the middle of uh, the technology capital? And what, what did you not like? You know, why the shift? Haha, <laughs> that's, that's a great, great, great question. Um, so when I first joined Microsoft, you know, uh, I, I, I didn't know what I was doing, right? And I didn't know that they saw a lot of skill in me, uh, you know, a lot of talent that I had, technical talent. Uh, you know, I, I had some very raw skills that they identified and they brought me in to hire me. And I started from scratch, right? You know, I would not done a lot of, again, in school, what can you possibly do uh, that, that's interesting for a company like that? But they see beyond that. They don't, they don't want to see these huge results. They want to see potential. Uh, a company like that hires on potential and, the, and they'll find something for you to do. Uh, you know, so when I, when I got hired, I thought I was joining one team and then they switched me up and I joined another team, right? So it was a different, you know, they'll just put you somewhere. It's such a large corporation, such a large world uh, that they just want smart people. They don't care where you're going to work, honestly, not really. Um, maybe at the higher levels, if they're hiring a more senior person, they wanted you to solve a specific problem for them. But at the entry level position, no experience, they're just going to throw you wherever they need smart people to be, right? So that's kind of how that company worked. So when I came in, I joined the Microsoft Office organization, uh, a team called the, the uh, Sustaining Engineering Services team. Doesn't exist anymore. That's a whole, whole space of change, right? Um, but I went and learned. I had no idea what that was either. I went there and kind of learned uh, what, what that all was about, the Microsoft Office business, the, all the products they had ever released, the aura and the, and the, you know, the brand that was Microsoft Office and you know, all the engineering details that went into building that product. It was a really, really, really interesting uh, process. And I loved learning. I've always loved learning new things and figuring things out and how they work. So, you know, I, I took the deep dive, right? And learned what I had to do and how, what everyone else did. And then you're a small piece of a massive organization. Just learning how the organization works was really interesting and in figuring that stuff out. But but here's the thing, Rajiv, right? The, the, that... Uh, that like shiny new amazing piece of the puzzle, it has a, a shelf life. That that feeling of everything's new and everything's amazing doesn't last forever, right? It doesn't last that long. Um, and within for me, within like a year or two years, I was getting a little restless, right? There wasn't that many new and interesting things uh, out there for me. Um, and I was thinking, okay, well, where am I going to go? What's what's my what's the next step for me? Like, should I? And you know, uh, you, you get into in those corporations. They have a solution for that. Like, okay, great. You, you want bigger and better things? Well, here's a career path for you. This is what it means to get promoted to this level. Maybe you want to become a manager. Maybe you want to become a technical, um, you know, highly technical in your field. You don't want to manage people. That's fine. But if you want to manage people, get into leadership, that's even better. You know, do this, do that. And so I plugged into that system, right? That's, that's part of what these corporations can do. They lay out the path for you. And they go, if you want to advance, do it this way. And to advance, make sure you do this, this, and this. And, you know, for someone that's coming from, you know, 12 years of schooling, right? 
that's, you know, that this is how school works. It's like, Hey, you want to progress to the next grade? You can do this. If you want to excel and get all these other things, well, then you do other things. These are some extra things you have to go into. It's very similar to that. And I, and I like that. I appreciate that. I understood that world and boom, you know, I was off to the races and trying to, and I, and I got promoted to manager within three years of being at Microsoft. And then I got promotions as a manager and I would do trainings and special events as a manager at Microsoft. That was a really great experience for me. But then I was back to where I was even then. When that, le- when that kind of wears off, the, the novelty, the challenge of being a manager, well, yeah, that's cool and everything. But what else is next? What's next? What's next? What's next? And, you know, another thing started happening, Rajiv, that I, st- I, I slowly, not, this is not a quick decision for me, right? It, it took, I worked there for almost a decade full-time as a full-time employee before I made the change. But I started realizing that I had other skills, other interests. And when I couldn't satisfy them within the job, within the career path, within the company, I would do side gigs, side projects, right? That is another thing that really, that really called me. My wife, who joined me, and she's, she's from Mexico as well, she joined me in Seattle uh, in 2006. I was already there, already there a couple of years. Uh, she got licensed as a real estate agent. This is 2008. Um, you know, if people don't remember, a lot of crazy things happened that year, right? The, the world was essentially ending with the economic collapse and there was a lot of things going on. Well, she jumped into the real estate market, right? Um, that was really interesting. I, I knew nothing about that whole space. She just got curious. She came from an entrepreneurial family. I did not come from an entrepreneurial family. No one in my space really had been self-employed or with any success being self-employed. Um, you know, so so my parents worked in academia. That's where they were from. That education, you know, first world. Um, so you know, I I I started looking at other things, seeing other things. I helped start a nonprofit in Seattle, right? That's where I lived uh, in Seattle, Washington. A nonprofit group that was from my university in Mexico. I formed an alumni organization. We did projects. We did scholarships. Um, and it was through that organization. Uh, that I realized, hey, I'm pretty good at doing this kind of stuff, right? I mean, I, I can like to build teams and I like to motivate people. And I, one of the things, this is an iconic thing for me in my life and my career path. I signed up my alumni organization to, to, to raise some money for this scholarship program back in Mexico. I said, you know what? Let's do that. That sounds like a really difficult thing to do. I'm really bored. That's just, I, I didn't think this way at the moment. But this is exactly what happened. In retrospect, this is what I did. I'm really bored. I want to do something really hard, difficult, challenging, challenging. So I'm going to get a bunch of volunteers and we're going to raise a bunch of money, right? Like, why not? And, and, and that's what I did. I, got, I, I managed to motivate four or five, five or six people to help me out with this project. And we ended up raising $300,000 uh, for my university through this project. And Rajiv, it was like picking up the phone and calling people. Instant messaging people. Hey, I need to meet with you. Hey, when can I go? You know, talk to you face to face. That I didn't. I didn't even know this was sales, but this is sales. This is exactly what you do as a salesperson, because I knew that I had to get in front of them. I was smart enough to know that, right? And, and, and other people advised me. Other people had done projects like this. You got to get them face to face, and they won't say. It's harder for them to say no if you're if you're in front of them, right? So I would get these appointments, and I close ninety percent of them if I got in front of them, and people would give me. for my project. Um, And that was it. That was probably one of the biggest projects where I'm like, hey, I'm pretty good at this. I have a skill set here that that I could use somewhere else, right? Another thing that happened along that same uh, time was I helped my brother-in-law take his business online. 
So he had a, a, a retail company in Mexico, uh, you know, like in central, like real Mexico, central Mexico. Um, and he, he sold diapers. He essentially sold diapers. That's what he did. Um, you know, and, and he wanted to set up like a national uh, distribution chain. Um, so I helped him set up his website and I got him his first Google AdWords campaign. This is 2012, by the way, this was, AdWords was not new. It had been around for 12, 10 years, over 10 years. So I helped him set this up. And within a few weeks, I built a little part of his business that generated $10,000 in profit every month by just kind of tinkering here, tinkering there. I, I picked up the phone and called leads would come in off the website, 10, 20, 30 people a day would be calling him. I'd pick up the phone. I didn't even know what I was doing, Rajiv. I had no, I never sold diapers in my life, man. And you know, he suddenly had more clients that he could handle. He went out to New York, uh, to, to talk to a supplier, like to get more supply. I went, I, I went with him to New York. I was still working full-time at Microsoft. I flew with, with him and we took this meeting with this, uh, you know, huge distributor, uh, like a broker out in New York city. Um, it was crazy. Like it was, it was really interesting. It was really exciting. Um, and it, it got to a point Rajiv where these side projects. Oh, and by the way, my wife, my wife was building up a real estate team. She was doing very well. She wanted to like, like increase that and do it even better. And I said to myself, you know, wife project, brother-in-law project, nonprofit project. I was having much more fun and more excited to do those projects than I was in my job. Right. So, so for me, it was like, this is interesting. I have a skill set here. I'm not using it at all in my current position. Um, and, and, you know, I started, I had been at the company for 10 years. I became a, I was promoted to senior lead engineer, right? Like a senior level manager at that point. And, and there was, so this is the funny thing with the corporations. They always have another ladder level, another thing you can aspire to. They always want to keep you kind of on that, you know, a little bit of, you know, and I don't want to badmouth the corporations. They do this and they do a great job at that, but they want to keep you on that treadmill. <laughs> they want to put the next carrot in front of you. This is what they do. It's, it's, a, it's a smart thing to do. It's a talent retention thing. It's a, it's a, they want to keep you going for that next goal. And when I saw that next goal, I'm like, man, that's going to take me a while now, right? This is, you know, at every one of those ladder levels you get promoted to, there's less people there. Every single one you get up, right? <laughs> the first one, like, you know, 90% people will make that first one. The second one, 80%. The third one, 75. And I got to a point where um, the one where I was at, and I forget what, what the percentage exactly was, but something like a third of the company would only make it to where I was at that point, right? Only about a third of people, right? Less than half, less than half are ever going to make it to where I was. So then the next ladder levels, the drop-off was even larger, right? The very few people would make it to these next ones. And you have to be honest with yourself and say, what is it going to take me to get to there? And do I even want to be there, right? It's just, you start asking these better questions. The questions get better as you get more experienced in your career, right? Um, so so I, all these things came together. And I said, you know what? My, my wife was at a critical inflection point in her business. She needed help. She was hiring building a team. And I told her, you know what, I'm going to take six months off. Again, the cautious engineer, right, had a plan. I'm going to take six months, like a hiatus from, from Microsoft. I, I, and also, it was a situation in, in, in work where I didn't even like my boss. I had changed teams. I wasn't super happy. I'm going to take six months off. It was a very obvious thing, very easy thing for me to do in retrospect. I'm going to take six months off and then I'm going to be back at Microsoft. Or if I don't like Microsoft, I'm going to go to another company, right? You know, whatever. 
you know, and, and, but you can't take a sabbatical. It's not at the level that I was. So you had, I had to leave. I quit Microsoft with the idea of, well, you know what, if it doesn't work, I'll just go back. Right. Um, or join another company, but it was going to be six months, six months. This is this, this is July of 2013, July of 2013, six months. I took, I resigned. I quit. I left Microsoft July of 2013 and I've been on my own ever since. So six months has so far uh, turned into eight years, uh, you know, and I, and I have n never looked back, right? You know, I've not, uh, uh, you know, had to go back and, you know, to Microsoft or any other company because I realized I had th th this position that I'm in right now, first as a real estate agent and team leader, now as a real estate marketing company leader, um, you know, I've, I've, uh, I think I've come into my own. I'm, I'm now more aligned with my interests and my skills and my talent than I ever was in Microsoft. I have a team of 106 full-time employees. We service hundreds of clients across the U.S. Um, you know, uh, we have a couple million in sales every single year. So, you know, I've, I've aligned my interests with a successful business. That doesn't always align. That's another thing, right? So I've been able to kind of go through and kind of find a good alignment uh, that, that can both give me personal satisfaction, right, and fulfillment and, and be successful, right? Because I have a family. I have, you know, I have mouths to feed myself. So it can't just be whatever Gus is, has fun at doing. It has to be successful. So I think right now where I'm at, I found that intersection, right, of, uh, of uh, fulfillment and success. You know, that's a pretty awesome story, Gus. You know, a lot of people, I'm, I'm sure, would, would resonate with that. A lot of people aspire that that'd be their story. And not a lot of people actually can make it all happen, right? Like you said, you know, what you love is one thing. To turn that into a business so that, you know, you can keep going, that's a totally different thing. So how how did how did you do that in the sense that, I know you took your time, you came off of the company, you joined your wife, you know, you went through this whole process, but how did you make the transition from a professional, a career professional to an entrepreneur, knowing that you needed to fight for your bread and butter, also knowing that you needed to pay yourself after paying so many other people out there, and then still make, make it a point that you're, you know, you're above water all the time. Yeah. So, you know, how do I make that transition? Very painfully. <laughs> I, can, I can, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of summarize that. Um, you know, cause I, 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 when I first left Microsoft, people would ask me, do you miss Microsoft? Do you miss Microsoft? And you know, the reality was I didn't miss Microsoft. Right. But I would tell them the only days I miss Microsoft on the first and the 15th day of every month. Right. Cause that was like payday and, it, and Microsoft never missed payday, not even once. Right. So, you know, I kind of missed it, you know, those days because that was the biggest difference for me at the beginning. Right. Now you gotta, you, you eat what you kill as an entrepreneur. If you don't make a sale, you know, you don't get paid a hundred percent. And for me, that was a big change. It was a big shift. And I was very conscious that that was going to be a big shift for me and that I needed some runway, right? I, 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 so, so, Rajiv, you know, I made this change when I was 32 years old, right? So that's usually, you know, when I look at my peers, people in the industry doing things, similar things, I started out way older than some of these guys, like, like older, right? Like doing my own thing you know, working and, you know, making it happen for me as an entrepreneur. Most people start way earlier than that. Maybe they're not successful, but they start earlier. Um, so I knew I was going to mess up and I knew I was going to learn stuff. I probably should have learned in my 20s. I was going to learn in my 30s. So before I even, so again, the engineer came out and I made a plan. I said, okay, well, I'm, I, I had the Microsoft house, the Microsoft cars, the Microsoft lifestyle. I downgraded my lifestyle. 
we, I moved out from my big, huge, brand new Microsoft house into a one bedroom apartment with my wife and I, right? We could barely fit, you know, we even had storage units and tried to, you know, do, we could barely fit our stuff in this one bedroom apartment. It was ridiculous. Um, but I, but what I did with that, I low, I, I, I lowered my burn rate. I lowered my monthly fixed costs. And instead of having three, four months of runway saved up, I had almost a year of runways ready to go, like off the bat, right? Very easily. But even then I said, I got to make money in month one. I got to make money in month one. That was my, like, not going to wait months and months to make this happen, make it work. Had to be making money, paying my rent, right? I wasn't going to use my savings to pay my rent at the beginning. It would have been too nerve wracking for me, right? Like, oh my God, what am I going to do? That's just me and my personality and kind of where I come from. So I needed that plan. I needed that runway. I need to take the pressure off. I didn't want to go and do this because otherwise you stack all of these things against you, right? You've got to sustain this huge lifestyle. You're going to make all this money fast. You can't wait. There's no patience. You've got to pick, you got to pay yourself all this money just to stay afloat and you're not investing in the business. I think uh, if you start as an entrepreneur with a huge lifestyle, you have to pay for off the bat, you're tying your hands, right? You're, 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 you're not even going to get a chance uh, to, to grow the business, to invest in the business. So probably the smartest thing I ever did was do that. And, and continuously those first few years, I always made decisions to lower my fixed costs. And, and my wife was enthusiastically behind me in that, right? Because that's super, super key. If your partner is not on board with this, this is going to be terrible. The, the outcome is not going to be good. So huge props to my wife but my, and, and my wife. I didn't do a great job convincing her, Rajiv. She convinced me. <laughs> Let me just be honest about that. She's like, we need to do this. And this is a smart thing to do. And it's going to be fun, right? Like we're in this together. This is an adventure. Um, you know, let's figure this out, right? So instead of going, you know, Saturday night, Friday night to these nice restaurants in downtown Seattle, we'd go to Jack in the Box because it was next door to the office, right? Go get some ta three taco combo over at the at Jack in the Box. That's three bucks. It was three dollars twenty cents for a per, per person. You know, you can't even get a drink for that in Seattle, right? So um, you make these trade-offs, and they sound difficult, um, but they're really not that difficult, right? Um, you know, because if you're going to get caught up in those details and those things, don't become an entrepreneur because you're you're not going to see those uh, the fruits of your labor, the big lifestyle, the riches, the homes the, that all these successful business owners have. A lot of those business owners, they didn't see those fruits of their labor in the beginning. They didn't see them in the first three years. They didn't see them in the first five years. Some of them didn't even see them in the first 10 years, guys. So I think if you get into that mindset that is going to allow you to make that transition uh, much easier. And it also, it might even, so Rajiv, just being also being honest with folks, it might dissuade you from doing it, it might stop you from doing it. Because if you're going in there to have the life, becoming an entrepreneur, to have like a rich person's lifestyle, I'm sorry to tell you, it's a lot harder than it seems sometimes. Absolutely. So, so tell us about your company, Power ISA. When did you form it and what all do you do under that umbrella? Yeah, great, great, great question. So uh, Power ISA uh, has, you know, an acronym in there, ISA, which in real estate stands for Inside Sales Agent, Inside Sales Agent. So as I was, you know, starting my real estate team with my wife, you know, in 2013, we ended up, you know, we, we hired an administrative assistant, transaction coordinator. We hired different parts of a real estate team, an organization. And one of those members of that team was an inside sales agent, right? Someone to help you generate leads lead prospecting, lead conversion, appointment setting, 
all these different tasks that have to happen in every team. And, you know, I came up, I, I, I came onto that role. I thought it was interesting. You know, I said, oh, this is a cool role. Um, and, and then I, 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 jumped, I took the deep dive into it. I wanted to learn more about it, right? And, and that the more I learned about it, the more uh, I loved it, right? Because it was a very scalable role. It was a very profitable role in a real estate team. And one of the first things that happened was I hired and trained people in the U.S. to do this role. I interviewed people, trained them, hired them, um, you know, and, and it, it, was, it was wildly successful, but it was very challenging to keep people in that role. So one of the things I decided to do, I said, you know what? I'm going to build a team in Mexico, which is where I'm from, Mexico. I'm going to build a team in Mexico that can do this for me, for my company. And I'm going to put that out there in the universe, let people know, right? And almost immediately, within a few weeks, I had four other people give me $10,000 to do that for them too. Off the bat, right? So Rajiv, I don't know if your business is like this, but real estate you have to chase after these clients to work with you. You've got to follow up and make the call and convince them and handle their objections and call them again and call them again and really make sure you're following up with your prospects to close that deal. I had never had people calling me. There's one guy that called me up and said, hey, I heard you're doing this and you didn't tell me about it I, and I want in. I'm like, I had not even spoken to him about this. He found out and he called me and he wanted to give me his money. And I was like, okay, that never happened to me before. So I realized I had tapped into a need, an unmet need in the market, an unmet need in the market. And I said, okay, this is interesting now. So immediately this whole project cost me $0 because I had money up front ready to go. Boom. And, and I went and I hired my first four people. I went down to Mexico to train them, hire them, oversee the, the start of that project. And that was the origin of this company, Power ISA, because I had my real estate team. I had a real estate business already going. Um, this was a new business, right? There was something different. And, and that was uh, the summer towards the end of 2015. And within a year, I was 100% in this new business. I was no longer running the real estate team. This thing had taken off. I had five people, then 10 people, then 15 people. And then, you know, one of my clients really blew up and hired 20 people just for their campaign, 20 people for one client. And it just blew up from there. It went, it went pretty great. Now I have over 100 people working for me, you know, servicing a lot of campaigns. And what we do for real estate agents we do outbound prospecting, telemarketing. We respond and qualify incoming leads coming from websites, from Facebook, from Google. We convert them to appointments and we help connect them with our clients. Um, you know, because it's a follow-up game. It's a follow-up game and it's a consistency game. And we help the agents, the real estate agents and investors uh, with that game. What does it take to convert leads, right? Lead generation is one thing, but conversion is a totally different ballgame. So what do you think is important in that? Oh, man. Well, yeah. Wow. That's a really good question. So what, what does it take to convert leads? So, you know, just to kind of set the background here, we're, you know, real estate in the US and Canada, um, you know, it's very advanced market, very competitive market, hyper competitive market, for, especially for online lead generation. So you've got a consumer in the US registering on a website because they want to know about a property, uh, register and they register on another five different websites, right? They're looking, they're looking here, they're looking there. They're, they're not tied to anyone. The internet has opened it up to everything and everyone in that area. So they're, they've got multiple people. They're asking for information. They're, they're looking here, they're looking there. And as an agent, you've got to be on it with them. You've got to respond right away. You've got to call them right away. You've got to text them right away. You want to get in front of them. You want to offer them something of value. You want to stand out and stand apart from their competition. So that's the kind of environment that we work in, our clients work in. 
So we help them respond immediately to their leads, instant response. Speed to lead is key in this industry, very key, speed to lead, because the, the consumer is always comparing you to everyone else. And then follow-up, relentless follow-up, you know, calling them again if they don't pick up. The next day, the day after that, texting them, responding to those emails, making sure you're continually following up with these leads to get an opportunity to work with them. You know, a lot of solo entrepreneurs kind of face the catch-22 dilemma as to how much of the work do they do? Like, you know, lead generation is one thing, their actual business is another thing and all. And when do they really delegate? What do you have to say to them? Oh man, that's a real, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a really good, cause that, that's a question I've struggled with personally. Right. Um, because, you know, even though my, my organization has grown, uh, you know, I, I only really work with five people. That's my team. That's my, you know, they run, I run that team, that team in turn runs the business. So when, you know, I, I think as an entrepreneur, I think the difference between an entrepreneur that has a, you know, a solo entrepreneur versus uh, a, a entrepreneur that runs a large organization, a large business is how comfortable are they leading other people? How comfortable are they uh, allowing other people to fail? How comfortable are they having success to other people? How, how, what good of a leader are they? What good of a, of a motivator and trainer and, you know, psychologist, <laughs> therapist are they? Uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit of that, right? So um, the, 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 Kind of going back to your question, as a solo entrepreneur, you have many roles, many roles. You're the accountant, the account manager, the salesperson, the inside salesperson, the closer, uh, you know, the, the, um, you're, you're, you're the administrative assistant, you're the marketer, you, you do all these roles. As your business grows, you have to understand that your skill set is not in all those roles. You're, it doesn't align really well. It maybe aligns well with one or two of those roles, maybe, right? Potentially, um, you know, and, and that's, and, and hopefully the alignment is around the sales side, right? Because if you cannot figure out sales for your company, you don't have a company, right? That's, that's, I guess that's number one. So that's really what you should focus on as, as a business owner. Can you scale up those sales? Can you get more sales? Can you consistently get more sales? It, do, do you, can you figure out that lead generation, lead conversion engine, right? Is that you knocking on doors? Is that you paying for Facebook ads? Is that you sending out mailers, putting up billboards? What does that look like, right? How much time or money do you have to invest and what kind of clients and sales do you get on the back end? So you have to figure that out. The problem with a lot of folks, especially on the real estate side, is that they do some sales and then they get caught up in fulfillment. It happens to a lot of entrepreneurs, but, but in real estate, it's very market. Uh, the, you do a little bit of sales, you get caught up in fulfillment. And then a month later, hey, let me go back into sales. Let me go back to fulfillment. And you're on this roller coaster of income, roller coaster. You've, you've got a really good month. You've got a really terrible month, really good month. And then a really back to a really couple of really bad months, a couple of really good months. And you're always kind of back and forth because you have not figured out how to do consistent valuable lead generation and lead conversion. You haven't figured it out. You're not doing it on a daily basis. You're not doing it on a consistent basis, consistent lead generation. Once you figure that out, so let me rephrase that. To be able to figure that out, you have to focus and give time and effort on that project. And you have to delegate other parts of your role as soon as you can, as soon as you can, right? There's going to be a time you have to do everything. You do. But as soon as possible, start delegating other parts of that role out. 
And probably the last one you delegate is that sales function. Probably, in my opinion, probably the last one you delegate, um, you know, to, to, and to make this, you know, a little more sustainable and a little bit safer, right? Um, some people start out by delegating that. They delegate the sales role and they, and they focus on the rest of it. But, but it's all about that, right? The way you can do it, uh, you have to understand that if you want to scale a business, you have to master that skill somehow. Delegating those activities that are not your core competency, that are not the most important thing for the business, delegating those out, and then even delegating the most important one, right? Finding the people, training the people, uh, allowing them to fail, training them up, building them up, and if they're not performing, remove them, right? It's, that, that's the funniest thing about hiring, Rajiv. It's not so much about the hiring. The skill is the firing, right? The training and figuring out who to keep. Uh, you know, they always say, don't judge me by who I hire. Judge me by who I keep. And I think that's really, really true. That's pretty awesome. So, Gus, how do people find you? Where, where can they locate you if they want to get in touch? Uh, the easiest way is, uh, my, yeah, my website, powerisa.com. Um, that's probably the easiest way to find me. And on Facebook. I'm very active on Facebook. I have a free uh, Facebook group. People can join and continue the conversation there around, you know, real estate, team building, marketing, anything you guys want to talk about. Those are the best ways to find me. Awesome. Well, Gus, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure hosting you and learning about your story, your backstory, and, you know, the pivots that you made and have come out successful. One takeaway for the listeners before I let you go, anything that you'd like to share? Uh, so, you know, I guess the, the one thing I love people to, to understand and figure it out is, you know, you have to listen to that voice, right? Because I think if folks are listening to this podcast, if they're interested in this topic, um, it's because something is telling them that they might want to make a change in their lives, right? So, you know, you're never going to have enough information. You're never going to have a perfect plan. Um, you've got to take action at some point, right? And once you realize how little you have to lose, uh, you know, I think you're going to be free and you're going to give it a try. That's, that's the thing I would love people to do. Give, it, give yourself a shot. Give it, bet, bet on yourself and see what happens. That's pretty awesome. Well, Gus, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your story, as I said. And we wish you the very best with your business. Thanks so much, Rajiv.